If you are looking to continue developing your coaching skills or have a new coach that you'd like to train or onboard, check out our upcoming activity coaching clinics. We are hosting both our basics and advanced clinics every Monday for our basics clinic and Tuesday for our advanced clinic from 1.30 to 3 Central Standard Time. It runs October 2nd through November 6th, and you can learn more and register at heatherpriceconsulting.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina, where we discuss coaching strategies for the overachievers, the slow starters, and everyone in between. We're going to share everything we know about instilling early success habits, the science behind activity, and how to build a values-based, FR-centered coaching philosophy. Activity Coaching Conversations is all about balancing accountability with the art and science of coaching. Hello and welcome everyone. We have a fun milestone for us on our 10th episode. That's exactly it. We are celebrating our 10th episode today. It has been such a fun few months for Sabina and I of trying something new, putting ourselves out there and ideally providing value to our clients and those who are choosing to listen. So speaking of our listeners, a huge, huge thank you to those who have reached out to us via email, phone calls, texts, and through the HPC website. Your feedback has meant so much to us, and we're so pleased that you are liking what you're hearing. And to celebrate our 10th episode, we are having our first ever guest speakers. Yay! So we have a former Northwestern Mutual rep with us and a new current rep with us as well today to share their FR and activity coaching experiences. So you'll get to hear firsthand from people that Sabina and I have coached in the past. We have used the last nine episodes to share some of our coaching strategies. So we thought we would use this, our 10th episode, to really hit the pause button and hear firsthand the good, the bad, and maybe even the ugly, hopefully not, but experiences from the other side of the coaching desk, the FR's perspective. So Sean and Tim, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Welcome. I am going to start by introducing and interviewing Sean Tomko about his recent activity coaching experiences. And then Sabina is going to introduce and interview Tim about his experience as a rep many years ago and where he is today, his thoughts on Northwestern Mutual and now. So really our hope is to give you two different yet very relevant and meaningful perspectives. All right, so Sean, we're gonna start with you. I had the privilege of coaching Sean his first six months, which ended I think in May, so not too long ago. Mm -hmm. When Sean started, he had, was your daughter three weeks old at the time? Yeah, yeah, three weeks. Yeah, like I don't think you were sleeping when we first met. Because obviously she wasn't sleeping. So Sean, you had joined Northwestern Mutual after actually being a missionary for three years after receiving your degree in engineering, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So you just nailed P40 a couple months ago and are currently working towards P60. Sean lives in Pittsburgh or the Pittsburgh area has a, I believe a two-year-old son. Is he two, right? Yeah, two and a half. Two and, and a half. And a nine-month-old And nine-month-old yep. daughter. Yes. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Sean, start by just sharing with us, what were your initial thoughts of activity coaching those first few days or first couple of weeks? What went through your mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think early on, there's so much accountability. There's so many people 
who are helping you and trying to make sure you're succeeding. So I think before we even started talking, it just seemed like another thing on the table (laughs) that I had to do. Mm -hmm. But it was very apparent, probably after the first or second conversation, that this was different. We weren't looking at maybe the business as a whole, like some of the other accountability groups that I was a part of. But this really broke down the day-to-day. And I didn't really have that anywhere else. So I think it also helped that we had a really great conversation from what I recall to start when we introduced each other, when we got to know each other a bit before we even started doing the activity coaching. And I think that really helped to build that trust to help me see, okay, this is the purpose of it. And Heather really does want to see me succeed. It wasn't another thing that I had to do, I guess. Oh, good. I appreciate that. This is kind of funny, actually, interviewing me. I really don't interview my reps. So to hear that is, I mean, it's rewarding. And that's the goal, right? Is I'm glad you felt like you could trust me and that it was different because there are a lot of different venues and we want them to have different purposes and objectives. And most of the reps that we coach do appreciate the day-to-day numbers, like really digging deep into those. So how did that perspective change over time? Like did activity coaching feel different the first week than it did at the end? Did you get tired of it at certain points? How did it ebb and flow (laughs) throughout the six months? Yeah, I think probably when things weren't going well, I was tired of it. (laughs) But no, I think, you know, over time, it just really solidified how valuable it was to have something like that. I would say I probably wouldn't have hit P40 if I didn't have activity coaching to help me through it and to analyze what was going well, what wasn't going well, what to improve upon. So yeah, I think over time, it just became more and more valuable to have as an asset. Good. I appreciate your honesty too. Like it isn't very fun showing up to those meetings, right? When you aren't feeling like you're doing the best in the business, right? But sometimes that's when it's the most important, I believe. And as a coach, I think I can experience that from the reps, right? You can kind of tell when they're ho-hum about the meetings and that's when I have to hit the pause button as a coach and really just re-engage in a way that gets me connected back to what we're both trying to achieve. So now that you are out a few months, is there anything that you miss, things that you don't miss, not being in activity coaching? Yeah, I would say, gosh, what I don't miss, yeah, probably when I'm not doing well, (laughs) having to face the fact and face the truth of that. But I definitely miss having that accountability. I still have that with my mentor, my manager, but it's not the same as diving in every couple of days to the details and to your daily activities. So I can do that on my own, but having that objective third party that, like I said, I do trust that is looking for me to succeed. I do miss that. There's days I wake up and I'm like, man, I really wish I was talking to Heather today. (laughs) I feel like you're paying me to say that. Seriously, though, I bet you probably appreciate the extra 15 minutes of sleep, undoubtedly. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you've shared some of the things that you have found valuable. It sounds like definitely the accountability, digging a little bit more deeply into the numbers. Is there anything in particular that you found most valuable or do you feel like you covered most of those? I think to give an example, I guess, to go a little further into it, you're not just looking at the numbers for what they are in and of themselves, right? You're looking at dials, meetings kept, QSs, all that. But I think something that stood out to me was there was a time when we were looking through the numbers and we saw that I was asking for referrals, but I wasn't getting referrals from those asks. And 
something that that you did was you had me go through my language you had me kind of role play it out with you and you were able to assess something that i was saying i think the way i said it kind of seemed more like help me out and asking rather than being confident in that ask and that was really valuable for me to be able to take that just from looking at the numbers and then implement it in the next couple of weeks and i remember i did get an uptick in qs's after that so I think that's just incredibly valuable. You're not just looking at the numbers, but you're diving into what it actually means. Yeah. And all fairness, Sean, and I'm not just saying this, you were, I don't want to say you were easy to coach, but you're very coachable. You were great and that you were open. You always took the feedback and you did something with it. I don't think all reps necessarily do that. They kind of nod their head and they're like, "Uh uh-huh, yep. And then it just stays the same. So kudos to you. And I would say you are probably one of the most, what was my nickname? I had a nickname for you. Did I call you Steady Eddie? I think you were just like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you were so consistent and you very rarely wavered. I feel like you had very few ups and downs compared to many new reps, right? Like they had a real uptick in activity and then they'd kind of crash for a while and then another uptick. And you were just pretty much consistent all the time and always open to suggestions and just great at taking the coaching and doing something with it. So I always appreciated that. Truth time, was there anything you didn't like about activity coaching? Or if there's one thing you could change or do differently, what would it be? Honestly, Heather, I, I really enjoyed my experience. I don't think there's anything I didn't like or would change. It's all about the mindset that you have as a financial rep. And you can either look at it as somebody telling you how you need to improve and what you're doing wrong, or you can look at it as an opportunity to grow. And I think I always went in with that mindset of being open to what you had to say. Yeah. Like I said before, it's not fun to hear your shortcomings or hear the things that you need to improve upon in the moment. But overall, I mean, it was a great experience for me. I don't think I would change anything about the experience that I had. I love that. And I appreciate your comment about mindset, right? I think that has so much to do with it and does contribute a ton to just how both the mindset of the coach and the mindset of the rep in terms of how the relationship is going to work and how the coaching is going to go, how effective it will be, et cetera. So any advice that you have for our activity coaches that are listening that would help them just best support their new FRs that they're coaching? Mm -hmm. I would say what I had said earlier about our first conversation, we really had a good conversation. We really established that trust. You didn't just come in and start coaching me right away. I think that was incredibly valuable to set the tone for what this relationship would look like. So I would say definitely make sure you're getting to know the FRs that you're coaching. Take the time to take it above and beyond just looking at the numbers every couple of days with them. We had great conversations throughout about our kids, our personal lives, things that were going on. What cars to buy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So I think that was just incredibly valuable to not just have a transactional relationship, I guess, to really go above and beyond that. So I think if you do have somebody who maybe doesn't have the right mindset or isn't very open, dive into that and try to see why that is. I think if you're going to just focus on their shortcomings or what they're not doing well, and they're not open to being coached, that's just not a good recipe. So taking the time to get to know them. Call it out. Yeah. And building that relationship will be huge. Yeah. Get to the bottom of it. 
our last episode actually was on building trust and relationships. So I appreciate that you, from your perspective as a rep, right, understand and appreciate the importance of building that trust. And it really is amazing how quickly you can build trust with somebody in a short 15-minute meeting twice a week, but it can happen. It can be done. (laughs) I think we're definitely proof of that. So fantastic. And then while we won't have a lot of FRs listening, any advice for the reps that are starting their activity journey? Yeah, be open to it. It's only there for your benefit. Activity coaches want to see you do well. They want to see you succeed. If you go in with the wrong mindset, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to maximize the potential of activity coaching. So have an open mindset and really take to heart what's being said. If there's anything that you could improve upon, if there's anything your activity coach is telling you to work on, do it. (laughs) Just do it. (laughs) It's for you. It's not for them. So take advantage of the resources that you're given. I love it. Yeah. Enjoy it while you have it. (laughs) Thank you. You're right in the heat and right in the thick of pace at her second 60s. So I can see how you might be missing it at this point. Most of it anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much for those insights. Sabina, let's transition to you and Tim and take a different look or perspective. Absolutely. Thank you. So now we're going to talk to Tim Thompson, who was in the business many years ago and has since gone on to be very successful elsewhere. So I first met Tim when I started my 10 years at the St. Louis Network office about 30 years ago. And we've just kept in touch ever since. Tim lives here in St. Louis. He's married to Michelle and has three grown children. So welcome, Tim. Thank you, Sabrina. We actually live down the street from each other. That's right. We were virtually next door neighbors. (laughs) Yes. Tell us just briefly what you've been up to since you left Northwestern. And then, you know, I've got questions for you. So after I left Northwestern, that was in September of 91. I must have had three or four different jobs after that that lasted anywhere from eight months to two years. And then for the last 25 and a half years, I've been with a company called Cereal Byproducts. And we buy and sell grain and grain byproducts in the food and agricultural industries, food and feed. Cool. So let's go back to those early years. Tell us how you initially came into the business. How did you find Northwestern? I found Northwestern from a fantastic lady named Lynn Bose, who worked for John Qualley downtown and was a career fair at Mizzou. And we started talking. I had no direction post-college. Someone had told me life insurance might be a good way to make a living. And we just started the conversation that way. And it took its natural progression towards an interview coming in, filling out books, answering questions, that type of stuff. Yep. So when you came into the business, what did you initially and throughout, what did you like about it? So part of what I liked about it was probably part of my undoing, which was the in on all seriousness, was the mm-hmm. uh, freedom that the job allowed. You know, most of my friends had jobs at Boeing or other places, McDonnell Douglas, and they'd go in at 8.30 and work till 5 or 5.30. And this was, you know, you had a meeting in the morning and then your day was your own, right, to create. I love the idea of the income potential that was offered in this career. And what can I tell you? I had a fantastic general agent that was magnetic and charismatic personality, right? Great guy. Yeah. So on the flip side, what was the most difficult part of the business for you? 
the fact that it was open-ended and I could do anything I wanted with my day. That was that was <laughs> yeah. a problem. So how my early days went, and really all I have is early days, right? So I was in the business for two and a half years. And mm-hmm. my career, if you charted it out, would be a series of, you know, on a linear graph would be ups and downs, right? I would work really, really hard. I'd get referrals. I would take great fact-finding interviews and I could close deals. And then I would relax and move from third and fourth gear down to second gear. And then you'd say, well, man, I got to get back after it. You got to organize, you got to follow up. And I would do that again. And the thing is, is that every time you have to do that, every time you have to start over, it takes a little bit out of you. It becomes harder and harder to come back, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Sure. Because you lose your momentum. Is that That's right? Correct. That is correct. So ultimately, what made you decide that you were not going to do this anymore, that you were going to move on? Well, that was part of it, right? So John Qualley, my general agent at the time, was incredibly supportive and encouraging. And it got to the point where he said, Tim, here's the deal. In the next three months, you have to achieve these numbers or we have to mm-hmm. part ways. And I can't remember exactly how that played out, but I either just barely got it or fell just a little short, but it didn't really matter, right? So coming that close to it and having been there for two and a half years, it was it was just kind of obvious that I wasn't in the right position for me at that time in my life, right? Mm-hmm. So sure. it had nothing to do with the job or the career mm-hmm. or what was asked of me. I could do it. I did do it. But I, at age 23, when I started, despite my parents' best efforts, despite when raising me and mm-hmm. teaching me good habits, despite everything John and everybody else did for me at uh, Northwestern, man, I just had a defective procrastination gene that (laughs) I wasn't able to really exercise until I was about Mm -hmm. 30 years old. And Mm -hmm. I'm happy to say that the person I was then is not that person now as it relates to work and my approach Mm -hmm. and getting things done and follow through. Sure. So what impact did your time at Northwestern have on the work that you did subsequent to that? So you had a few jobs and then you settled in at where you are now. Like what impact do you still see that your Northwestern time had? Oh, man, I'm 55. I left there when I was 25, right? So Mm -hmm. yeah, 91. Mm -hmm. So 30 years later, I can tell you that there are so many things that I use today from my Northwestern time. We can break it down and say my approach to finances, right? Those types of taking care of the important things first, building your financial house with a sound foundation, of which I thoroughly believe life insurance is a really, really important part. And then it's other things like being professional, following up, sticking with things. You know, the thing that I would probably say to people that are coaching and training the young agents is you can teach people the right words to use. You can teach people how to carry themselves, and so on and so forth. But I don't know that you can teach work ethic. And so the challenge Mm -hmm. has to be to find 
out if the person across from you has this characteristic or not. And mm-hmm. it could be something like myself where it's there, but it's not going to sprout for a few years. And I would say to the agents, know yourself. So I didn't really know myself very well at that point. I thought that I could do that job. And there was some mm-hmm. self-encouragement, but Sabina, there was also some self-kidding going on, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So Tim, what was the biggest lesson you learned from being a financial rep? Here we are 30 years later. What's the thing you still think about? The thing I still think about is if I could have a do-over, mm-hmm. if I could go back, I believe I could kill it. I believe I could mm-hmm. be a great agent. As a matter of fact, when I started this job in March of 96, I had been removed from Northwestern for five years. And when I started out in this job, the first two years not met with lightning success. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking a few times, if this gig doesn't work out, the first place I'm going back is Northwestern because I now had a handle on those personal issues of internally with myself of mm-hmm. uh, discipline, sticking with it doing what's needed, when it's needed, all those types of things. So I would say it's that internal lesson for myself. I tell people the story of when I was there, I would get so fired up on a Sunday night before we would have this Monday morning meeting. I would stay up late and I would watch a Tony Robbins infomercial <laughs> until 1.30 or 2 in the morning. Well, by the time it was over, I was so jazzed and ready to go. The problem was by the time the meeting came around the next day, I was beat. I, you know, I was (laughs) strolling in late for the meeting. It was juxtaposed, right? It didn't work out. So at any rate, that's my biggest lesson. Are you still a Northwestern Mutual client today? Do you mind if I ask you that? I don't mind. And I can tell you I am, but I'll add a few details. When I left Northwestern shortly after that and was floundering professionally, I ended up having to sell my, or not sell, but let my whole life policy lapse that I had started as an agent. And I don't spend any time thinking about what could have been or you mm-hmm. know what that cash value would look like now. But I think to myself, I do wish that it never happened. But as soon as I got my feet back under me, I mean, I went back to Northwestern immediately. I wasn't going to go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's great. So to wrap up, if you were talking to people who are just starting out today, like say they were where you were 30 years ago, What are one or two things that you would advise them or tell them as they're getting started? Like Sean, Sean's in his first year. So what would you tell Sean? I would tell Sean or anybody willing to listen, know yourself, right? Know yourself. Mm -hmm. Even with the battles of procrastination and losing focus at different times, if I had known myself, if I had really taken a deep dive and acknowledged those as issues, maybe it would have worked out differently. But other than that, I would say to these young men and women, let's not fool ourselves, right? There's no shame if this isn't the right fit for you, right? Mm -hmm. There's no shame in that whatsoever. And it could be the right fit, maybe just isn't the right time. We don't know. So you give it everything you've got while you're there. And if you're not doing that, then the question is, why are you not doing that? And then the answer is usually, maybe I should be doing something else, right? It's that let's not hang on mm-hmm. just to hang on and hope and hope that it happens. Because 
hope is what we cling to when reality shows us no other alternatives. I mean, Mm -hmm. so I thought that was my last question, but I have one more. Do you think that having what we have today in activity coaching, like having somebody meet with you two or three times a week and really kind of ask you some of those penetrating questions that help you get to know yourself and understand more about what you're doing, do you think that would have helped you 30 years ago? That's a good question. I don't know that that would have helped me because I don't think that anything that was offered to me by the agency while I was there was lacking, mm, right? Okay, yep. I had all the help, support, encouragement, access to the technical parts of the policies. I had access to all of that stuff. So I'm sure for some people, meeting more times per week and going over the numbers and diving a little deeper internally is helpful to some, but I can't say that it's better now than it was then. Sure. Just because I take responsibility for me not being in the business. I don't put that on anyone else. Gee whiz, John Qualley, my dad was fine with what I was doing. My mom was not into the sales end of things. And there was some little tension at home. My general agent met with my parents for crying out loud to (laughs) encourage them about what I was doing. You can't do more than that, right? Right, right. You can't do more than that. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for sharing all that and being with us today. I appreciate your taking the time to do that because I think it's an important perspective to remember because there are a lot of people that that you're going to coach who are going to go on to do very well, but just at other things. And I think it's important to remember that. And and we thought it would be a good for you to hear from one of them. So very good. Um, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to both Tim and to Sean. Obviously, both busy business people with careers and families. So we appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you to our listeners, as always, for joining us and helping us celebrate our 10th episode. Keep listening. And we hope to hear you next time. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather and Sabina. If you found value in this conversation, please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.